Welcome to the Windsor Knot, a royal wedding podcast. I'm Daniel Kruper. You have a slight hesitation uh, before yeah, your own really name confused. there. I nearly said I am Joe Scrubbles, wow. which I am demonstrably not. You're Joe Scrubbles. I am. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Hello, everyone. Um, so today's episode, we're going to be looking forward into the future and what Meghan and Harry's life will be like after the wedding. The aftermath. You're going to do immediately afterwards. I'm going to do... Well, who well, knows, actually. actually. That's a choice these days. This is what we're going to be talking about. Um, yeah, so... Basically, we're getting really close mm. to the actual event. We're closer to my birthday, though, so that's good, isn't it? I'm just... My whole week this week... Do you ever do that? Do you get fixated on your own birthday for, like, the week beforehand? No. I do. Even though I'm not ex- I'm not excited about it. It's just... It's a thing that's happening. It's a big line. Weirder when you get older about birthdays. Because you were 29 this year. Yeah. Like, the other day, I turned 32, and someone asked me in the pub downstairs, how old are you? And I said 33. And I just went, <laughs> oh, no, wait, that's wrong. Ah. Um, you got a year back straight. Like, I know. Bam. Oh, cash back. Manipulation of uh, time. Uh, sorry, yeah. I just segued onto birthdays. Okay. But, bef- but after the birthday, and after their wedding... They're going to go on a honeymoon, aren't they? Probably. Um, now, the things... This is like many other elements of the Meghan and Harry wedding. Not that it's non-traditional. It's basically totally unknown and everyone's sort of having a stab in the dark. Oh, we've never but, had that before. But No, absolutely show. not. But there's a few things that uh, seem more likely than others. Number one, they're going to have a pre-honeymoon. I know, right? How will the other half live? I was going to say, like, is there less impact on a honeymoon when you travel so much and can go on a big holiday whenever you want? Yeah, I suppose. <clears throat> but so many of their, or particularly Harry's... Sometimes they're actually doing work. Uh, that's the thing. And I think that's the, the flippant thing to say. It's like, oh, it's not work. I bet it actually is quite a lot. And I think travelling can be quite tiring. A lot of Harry's trips abroad have been with an with a view to doing something in the yeah. public eye. Travelling is tiring. I think um, I've got a two-hour train to Manchester, and I am shattered afterwards. It's weird, more than, it? more than anything else, just get a short train journey going, oh, I'm tired. Just I'm having to sit today. there and do nothing. Your yeah. body just goes, right, that's it. Ask me. Go to sleep now. Um, but the pre-honeymoon will be in Greece, and we know this <laughs> because... Uh, Oh, no, I've not written down his name, but I think he was called Spiros. That's genuinely his name. Um, sounds like a Harry Enfield skirt. He is the owner of the Hotel Castelli on uh, the island of Zakynthos. And he wrote on Facebook in a now deleted <laughs> post, <laughs> we're delighted to welcome Harry and Meghan to the island uh, to stay That's in the Hotel really Castelli. Off, isn't he? Yeah. And uh, they're giving them a tour guide and stuff. But then, brilliantly, another hotel owner from Zakynthos told the Daily Mail, "Oh yeah, yeah, they're only staying there one night, though. Like it's a like it's such a it. such a loaded little comment. So what they appear to be doing is yachting between all the Islands. Greek islands, which sounds very nice, to be fair. But it's not the main honeymoon. The main honeymoon, Disney World. I wish Legoland. <laughs> just <laughs> it's just around the corner. Just around the corner from Grand um, <laughs> <In> Jago Suite. <laughs> they've they've heard. They you they've listened. We know they've listened. Um, both of the couple have uh, ties to Africa in terms of causes they support and in terms of like previous things they've done or places places they've been. Like particularly the royal family do a lot of African travelling, mm. and so. The bookie's favourites were... I've got an email about that later on. Interesting. Um, the, the bookie's favourites were always African countries, but no one could decide where it was. For some reason, um, the sources of renowned journalistic organ Travel and Leisure magazine tell us that it is definitely Namibia. Definitely. Definitely. 100% nailed on Namibia. Um, and everyone thinks they're going to be going to at least one of, if not several, 
um, safari camps set up by this company called Natural Selection, which is a scary name for a company that's meant to be providing a luxury travel experience. <laughs> I mean, thought that through. Yeah, like you're going to turn up and just get stomped on by a rhino. Yeah, it's like calling it mauling. It's a bit weird. Um, but Natural Selection seems legit cool, and we'll get into that. Now, I want to just go over... Biological principle. Yeah. It is that's pretty... Uh, it's done a good job, I reckon, with me. Um, the <laughs> I'm the fittest. Uh, let's talk Namibia. Do you know where Namibia is? Central Africa. Southwest. Right down near the bottom bit, near the, the bottom of the... the big canine tooth that is africa mm. i know a lot of the countries on the edges of africa when it gets into the middle i'm a little but this is the edge there. this yeah. is the left edge mate so mm. where's your knowledge gone <laughs> mm. it's primarily english speaking but with uh, quite a lot of german because of its german colonial past uh <laughs> i love that they speak in english not because of our colonial past well they just naturally speak english there it's just you don't yeah, think, but the germans as well you don't think of germans in africa though well, except uh, well, except you know rommel and in, that. Uh, apparently it's, it's kind of now because of the history loads of germans retire to south africa mm. it's like they're florida that's a bit odd, isn't it? It's like our Spain. <laughs> oh no, not our Spain! Now you've made it seem south. Like, yeah, you've made got, it seem crap. Like, yeah, Spain, like English, not Spain, but English people in Spain. I think is one of the lamest things that English people do. There's yeah. something so Egg unpleasant about it. Oh no, no, no! Um, Harry's been to Namibia three times before that we know of. Uh, once was um, oh yeah, no, once was with the army. Once was to help endangered black rhinos and desert-adapted uh, elephants, which sounds like someone's adapted them, not they've like adapted they themselves. The yeah, like they put solar panels on them. Uh, and one time, the first time, was with his ex, Chelsea Davy, where they oh. travelled in a two-man mohawk canoe down the Orange River, oh. which sounds romantic. So, like, odd to go to a place where you've got memories of an ex on your honeymoon. Yeah. But it seems nice. Uh, it is. a voucher. Nearly four times the size of the UK, 825,615 kilometres squared. But with 2,600,000 people, is the ninth least densely populated country on the whole of planet Earth. For privacy. That's what everyone says. Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt flew there to have a baby. They had their baby Shiloh there because it was so... Uh, like the opposite what? of densely populated. <laughs> what a weird! Imagine like I the idea of being so rich. Premium when I was having a baby. Yeah, exactly. It's like Space. oh, I'm like eight months pregnant. I'm going to get on a plane to Namibia, <laughs> just have a nice quiet baby time. Rich people have too much money, Joe. It's very strange, isn't I know it? That's the definition of a rich person. Yes, but well, not that they have too much. Yeah, they wouldn't say never enough for them. You ever seen Wall Street? I have. Money never sleeps. It does not, and neither does Shia LaBeouf. Um, everyone thinks that they're going to go to this natural selection company's brand new Honib Valley camp in Kaukoland in the northwest of Namibia. And let me tell you, it looks pretty good. Like, I went into it really wanting it to be the Soho farmhouse of right. uh, sort of oh. Namibian safari camps. Yeah. It just looks nice, and all their, they've got really nice policies, like they, they give a certain amount of percentage to like local people to, and to preservation efforts, and like all this, everything of they do. Of course they're going to go somewhere like <clears> that. Everywhere, every, everything about it sounds just nice, um, and at peak season, and let's face it, they're probably going to go at peak season for the best stuff, uh, you're talking £650 per night per person, and for that, which it doesn't seem as much as I thought it was going to be. I wonder if there's like an upper limit. It's less than the it. it's less than the Soho farmhouse farmhouse. Mm. So there are there's probably a steal. Um and for that you get a really big tent, like the size of a bungalow sized tent, with like a living room and like a bar and all sorts. It looks a amazing. Bar. Well, <clears throat> there is a bar what in is the it place. Like glamping. It's kind of like, like mega it's like glamping with elephants. Okay. Like it looks really good, and you get a view over a river. And um, there's only six of these tents. I'm guessing there's not going to be anyone else staying there when they are. I wouldn't have thought. So we're talking what six hundred fifty pounds per night per person plus the costs of keeping out other rich people. <laughs> just like yeah, get out. Um, and also, I just liked this. Uh, a partner of the camp is Africa's foremost giraffe expert, Dr. Julian Fennessy. 
didn't find out much about Julian, but that's a cool thing to have as part of your hotel, isn't it? Like, it's not like... You, you got know, any you, questions about giraffes, yeah? It's not you go to some resort and it's got, like, Club Xanadu. It's like, it, instead, you've got just giraffe guy sitting in a bar. It's Julian Fennessy. Yeah. yeah. You want to chat with Julian? <laughs> He'll be at the bar all week. Um, but I thought I'd just read you the description, because genuinely, I desperately want to go here. Um... In a country jam-packed with vast, spectacularly beautiful landscapes... Oh, he's getting his Attenborough out. Oh, yeah. Kalkoland <laughs> may just be the most incredible of them all. It's deep in northwestern Namibia, the, area's a mal- the area is a malay of towering mountains, sand dunes, and huge expanses of desert, scattered with unique wildlife and nomadic himba settlements. The himba sound wicked, by the way. They're a... a like a tribes people, they colour themselves red with ochre from the earth. So there's just these red, bright red people walking see, around. There's no one else around. It's very dense, like not very densely populated, and the people you do see are bright red. Yeah, it's brilliant. Uh, it's also one of Namibia's most remote and wild environments, and one that not many will get the chance to discover in a lifetime. And that's exactly why we've, be- we've decided to build Honig Valley Camp, a joint venture between the local communities and the Giraffe Conservation Foundation, Dr. Julian Fennessy probably, the world's only Africa-wide giraffe conservation organization. The camp is an elegant, intimate affair that immerses you into the wilds of the desert. The six rooms blend seamlessly with the environment, offering a simple aesthetic that matches the rugged landscape down to a T. It actually does it looks really good days are spent tracking endangered rhino desert adapted elephant again and of course desert adapted giraffe before retiring to your private veranda to marvel at the magnitude of your surroundings g and t in hand <laughs> i'm still not quite over this desert adapted thing i don't Surely that's just the animal i guess but then like it's like a fit water adapted fish but isn't isn't the idea that They're elephants and different. giraffes would usually be on like a savannah which well, is quite... they just drop them into the desert? Well, I think they've just moved to the desert and got used to it. And they've adapted. Um, friends of one... Sorry, parents of one of my friends went to Namibia and stayed in a place like this. And it sounds like the most amazing thing, right? So they stayed in one... This overlooks a river, and so I imagine it'll be a similar thing. This place they were at was overlooking a watering hole. And so, like, there was, the t- there was the camp and then, like, a hill. And then on the other side of the hill, there was a watering hole. And they would, as, like, an activity at sunset, you climb the hill and look down on the watering hole. And because it's the only water in the whole area, every single animal has to Proper go there. Jurassic Park. Yeah. And so it's, like, what? all the predators, all the <gasps> prey, all in one place. No one's messing with each other. Because they just all need water and it would be counterproductive to fuck up that environment. Right? So they're all there. And then, so they saw like, uh, you know, the big guys with the horns and that and the ones with the big sharp teeth. I can't remember what they're called. You know, the muscles. And then they're all sitting around having a drink. This fucking herd of elephant comes up, like giant herd of elephant. And all the other animals stand back and let all the elephants have their fill first because the elephants are like the, the big dogs. Mm. They're like literally big dogs. And then they all have their, their little trunk of water and then shoot off in, back into the desert and they, all the animals come back around again. It sounds magical. Right, you've, so, you've sold me on this. I want to go to Namibia. A GNT in hand. Um, so that's all I can find out about Honan Valley Camp. The other thing I thought, and this is just because I got interested in reading about Namibia after this, the other thing, Harry and Meghan, you know, they've got ties to conservation. They're very nice people. They want to help out. But what if it turns out they're actually Evil. people after our heart and they're there because Namibia is spooky as fuck, <laughs> right? There's a place, the whole left coast of Namibia is called the Skeleton Coast. And the Skeleton Coast sounds fucking mental right they're not far from it in Kalkaland, and there's also another natural selection one on the skeleton coast they've built a uh like a big complex resort that's meant to look like shipwrecks because the skeleton coast is so full of shipwrecks right get this namibian bushmen call the skeleton coast the land god made in anger and portuguese sailors called it the gates of hell <laughs> jesus right uh, it's named for two reasons, the Skeleton Coast. And it's not even, it wasn't even an official name until people just started putting it on maps because it told the story of the place better. Um, it was named for the fact that it's covered in whale and seal bones from either the oh, whaling... Oh, actual in- bones. I actual- thought you meant just like... And 
There are 1,000 shipwrecks and airplane wrecks down its coast because it is so treacherous to sail or fly over because it's a mixture of, like, dangerous rocks and, like, mad eddies and all that stuff and, like, this insane fog that just washes over the whole place. You can't see anything. And obviously there's no one there. There's no lighthouses. You don't know what's going on. Um, so it's covered in shipwrecks, airplane wrecks. And animal bones. Animal bones. It sounds nuts. The dunes next to it roar like planes because of air trapped underneath them. So you're just walking around and the sand's shouting at you. And they move 50 feet a year, the dunes, meaning they regularly find new skeletons of people who died there and just got buried under dunes. So these dunes are just shouting, moving around, bodies. chucking up a skeleton every now and then, right? <laughs> In 1940, I just love this. In 1940, visitors found a dozen headless skeletons lined up on a beach with a carved slate next to it that said, I am proceeding to a river 60 miles north, and should anyone find this and follow me, God will help him. And the skeletons were the remains of sailors from a ship that had wrecked 80 years earlier. So, presumably... This ship wrecked and someone went insane and chopped off the heads of a dozen people and just went into the forest. Madness. This is actually somewhere I would like to go on honeymoon. And the other reason that they might be going there is because one of the world's most most sought-after cryptids, which if you don't know what cryptids are, they are uh, basically made-up creepy animals. No. No. (laughs) We're talking yetis. We're talking nessies. Scientifically unstudied. Uh, yeah. Animals. And, well, right here, we got the Namibian flying snake, um, <laughs> which was treated <laughs> with, which was treated with such respect that the lady whose name I haven't written down again, I'm really bad at this. Um, the woman who discovered the coelacanth, you know, the prehistoric fish that everyone said was a myth mm-hmm. and she found it. She thought she went looking for it. She was like the Namibian flying snake. There's, there's a real possibility here. Not really. It's a 25-foot-long snake that uses its sort of cobra bits at the side to actually fly. Not glide. To fly. Uh, And it has a bioluminescent crest. It's got this big shiny bit in the front of its forehead. Um, According to the cryptid's wiki... It is said to make a loud and frightening roaring sound. Could be a dune. Uh, and it's also said to smell like tar. And to get into the air, it hurls itself down hills. <laughs> um, but, counter to that, alleged skulls of the flying snake found in 1988 turned out to just be an ostrich pelvis. <laughs> I love that. We're looking at an ostrich, like, just where an ostrich is cloaca would be and they're like yeah it's probably a snake and probably a flying one this i actually find very interesting there are very similar tales of flying snakes in germany and it was a german colonial place so probably people came so over just, just told some german folk yeah. tales and then it yeah, turned into actually have snakes here anyway. oh bloody ass no maybe i'm flying snake oh. um but i just reckon harry and Meghan might be going for the cryptids and skulls that's my honeymoon prediction. I don't think that sounds like a, a wonderful honeymoon. Not at Bring all. You closer together. Not at all based on the fact that there's extremely little information to go on. But you suggested a lovely way that they could do it, Joe. May which I, I only appreciate. Should we go to the skeleton coast? I would absolutely love it to do that. It doesn't sound like that expensive. I'm not one for um, beach holidays unless the sound is screaming and periodically <laughs> revealing a cadaver. <laughs> unless it's like that bit in Aladdin where this lion's head comes out of the ground. I don't give a shit. Aladdin. Remember, they, they changed the opening lyrics to Aladdin. Oh, because it's it, really bad. Yeah, Robin you Williams did, said yeah. some dirty stuff. Yeah, quite racist, the original lyrics for the Aladdin opening song. You know, sometimes, like, I like Robin Williams a great deal. Sometimes when you go back, particularly to his oh, stand-up. Oh, Robin Williams, I don't think. He's the guy at the start, isn't he? Is it? Is he, does he do the opening song? He didn't write it anyway. Uh, well, either way, yeah. let's talk Robin Williams. <laughs> well, apparently he's a notorious joke thief. Oh, uh, yeah, I heard you know that. that? Like, he stood at the back he of was comedy clubs. notorious for it. And then he'd go on like, late night talk shows and do other comedians' material. So the point where if comedians saw Robin Williams in um, stand-up shows, they'd refuse to go on. Fair play. He's big, hairy. You could see him illuminated by the arms. They were all shiny. I was just going to say some of his material is quite questionable in the cold light of yeah, these days. a lot of stuff is. Yeah. A lot of Eddie Murphy stuff. Anyway. Right, they're married. <laughs> what does Megan do next? Yeah, I am interested. So... So I looked. She's she going to have a job. So I started researching what Megan can do based on what is 
the etiquette, what are the rules around the royal family, what other people have done in the past. Because mm. obviously she's established a career. Unlike a lot of other like royal um, partners, she had quite a you know, pr- you know public uh, public facing career preceding the marriage. She did like Kate well. Middleton, her and Will had been dating for like ten years before they got married, and yeah. she was already she didn't really have uh, a job, let alone a public facing one. So Kate is a you know. Well-known actress, not mm. like mega successful, but oh, Megan, yes, yeah. Megan's fairly successful. Yeah, um, there's nothing that stipulates she has to give up acting, but it's generally believed she that she will. will. She won't be appearing on CSI in roles where she has to be in a knickers again. <laughs> does that happen in CSI? Megan did it. What in her knicks? Yeah. It's all over the Daily Mail, mate. <laughs> they love it. Have I not seen that? Megan's oh, saucy pass. Making a note about that. Which one is that? Is that CSI Cyber? I, <laughs> yeah. You know that is one? Oh, it's mad that there's so many, man. I used to actually watch quite a lot of them. I, yeah, I remember you talking I used about to be, that. Like, when I was like 15, 16, you used to watch them because they were quite good. Hmm. And then it just went insane how many there was. But I remember watching the Tarantino directed one, even. What? Yeah, CSI, the original one set in really? Las Vegas. Tarantino, like direct to the two-part episode post fame post what like he was famous when oh, he yeah, did it this is yeah. tarantino of 2002 i didn't know when csi no. started no, i don't know no one knows could anymore. be like law and order it's been going forever um so she yeah so she pr- there's nothing to stipulate she can't give up um continue to act right but grace kelly was an actress after she very played, true when she married um the Prince of Monaco, she gave up acting. So the generally considered one is she'd probably do some kind of charity work. You would guess. Which a lot of royals do. So, And she did that already as well. She, yeah, she was quite publicly active. But there's kind of a weird tension here. So it's likely that she will follow Prince Harry and Prince William and partake in something called the Royal Foundation, which was set up in 2011. Now, this basically covers ca- five categories of um, service. Armed forces, mm-hmm. conservation... Cyberbullying, which is weird as one of the pillars. Wow. Mental health and young people. Young people. You can't... I'd say cyberbullying comes under young people. Yeah, and it's also within mental health, maybe, impact on that. But it's just a weird five categories. Yeah. Um, So she'll probably enter into that. But there's a weird tension here, because she has been quite active in kind of public causes before. But the royals are apparently forbidden from discussing pl- specific political views publicly. Ah, uh, of course. And they don't vote. No. So there's this weird tension here. So Kate Middleton recently went to the BAFTAs. Mm-hmm. And you know, like, there was this thing at the BAFTAs this year because of the Time's Up movement that a lot of people wore black, a lot yes. of women who attended the BAFTAs. Kate Middleton didn't because it was seen as inappropriate for her to make that statement. Good Lord. Now, do you think everything you know about Meghan, do you think she's going to follow suit? I, she certainly won't follow suits. Uh, no, I, I, I think, well, we've talked, I think we were talking about this at the weekend because yeah. we're cool guys. <laughs> um, I can't work out how royal she's going to be after this because she's been very, you know, as we love to say, non-traditional in the run-up to the wedding. Mm. But I can't tell if she's going to get a bit more straight-laced Afterwards, well, like so, just so keep it chill for a like, while with her in like dress coat. But like, if all we spoke about this anecdote like episodes and episodes ago, maybe even on the first episode about when she was a kid, mm-hmm. she like eventually got this massive multinational organization to change the advertising of washing up liquid, I think, or yes. detergent, and to make it kind of gender neutral in language. I can't believe you switched that off in yourself. I certainly don't think she would. If you spent your whole life being of that mind. I think there's a difference between switching off your feelings and, like, doing things publicly. Mm. Those are two different things. Are are they? Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe, apart from anything else, I think maybe she'll just have way fewer opportunities to do things publicly. Or she got the best platform she's ever had to do that sort of thing. Because, like, Diana was pretty... That's true. Even though you say these things are inherently political, mm. all these things that she'll be working on, like, yeah, you could do stuff about mental health, but the way that is kind of a political issue as of well. Of course it is, yeah. So, Especially these days. These days with cyberbullying. <laughs> um, I just feel like she probably will, she'll probably go into some kind of charity work, but I reckon she'll be more Megan than I, ever before. I would love that. It would be fantastic if she was. I'm worried she'll be cowed, and I don't think she should. Um, the other thing that's 
open tour. Mm-hmm. There's something I found on the website under the heading Royal Tours. What? It's basically constant holidays, Joe. Oh, I thought you meant she'd be like John Terry, like <laughs> organising stuff around Buckingham Palace. She's in a tracksuit. Yeah. <laughs> so um, she's she will join Harry on Royal Tours around the world. Um, they're already signed up for ones in Australia, Canada and the Caribbean. Yes, please. It's not bad, is it? And, yeah, and that's none of those are even her honeymoon. <laughs> it's yeah, ridiculous. Because no. um, so, it's something that Kate has done and it's, yeah. I think it's kind of expected that you join your spouse who is the royal on these like public tours around countries mm. and they went to Canada just two months after their wedding well why wouldn't you um, so it's the tip to have the first international tour abroad this autumn ooh that's pretty soon yeah um, but I was looking through some of the other tours they've done and there's loads of other weird rules about royal couples which they kind of sometimes get into trouble when they're abroad so royals apparently aren't allowed to wear fur okay good on them big no no but then when they go to certain um, foreign countries they have they're given like garments to wear so when Kate and Will went to Canada they were given these traditional furs and they didn't want to insult local custom so they wore it and then they got loads of shit must be hard I think it is hard because it's like you don't want to piss anyone off you don't want to be rude and like Mm. that's tough isn't it I don't know I was going to say some stuff (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what are you going to say? Oh, no. It doesn't matter. No, I just... I was going to say, like... It's harder when things are, like, traditional, because it's sort of... Yeah. It sort of divorces it from the actual issues at that point. I mean, it shouldn't, obviously. But it, you get to that, especially with, like, fur. When you get into tradition versus fashion, mm. those feel quite separate, even Absolutely. though the actual act is completely the same. No, I know you It's mean, really because, weird. It's like, for the fashion reason, it doesn't need to happen I but guess. then tradition doesn't it feels need like to awesome. happen yeah I know but it's harder to argue mm. we've got ourselves down a rhetorical hole here rabbit hole. we're both in which there are no rabbits because they're wearing them on their heads <laughs> very nice what, um, a lovely, what a lovely loop um, so these are the two main things that she can go into mm. is that she'll go into the charity work help with various organisations become a patron of those causes it's like every time you see the royals on TV pretty much out, you know independent of this wedding stuff which we've been talking about over the last few months whenever usually you see a royal on, on the news mm. it's they're opening a thing they're speaking on something they're endorsing a thing and that is the life that she probably will go into yeah. but I personally would like to see her do it in her own style because Kate yeah. is very much She's not ruffling any feathers. Absolutely not. She's not really changing the world, even though she's being very nice. Although, did you see she ruffled feathers when she introduced new baby Louie? What did she do? Did you, you see the dress she was wearing? No. She looks exactly... She's wearing the same dress as the lady from Rosemary's Baby. What? And she's holding Prince Louis, and everyone's just like, that's weird. Like, child. It's almost... Like, exactly the same dress. It's mad. <laughs> Did you see that mad picture of um, little Prince George? No. Where he just looks like... Just little looks Prince re- George sounds like his official title. Oh, he just looks really big and angry stamping along with his dad. And so he just took a picture of him going, he's going to eat Louis. <laughs> and he just looks really angry that he's got a brother now. If they <laughs> if they sized him up, like... Uh, it looks ma- yeah, it looks like he's like a city leveler. Oh, that would um, cool. I also just... This is a tangent. When I was reading around stuff for this week's episode, that Prince um, George, when he turns 12, he can no longer travel with his father. What? Internationally, like, on a plane. They have to fly on separate planes. Because of danger. Disaster. Yeah. Fine. Because of line of succession. Bloody, that's horrible. And 12 is way too young. on a different plane to his dad. Did you ever have a friend who went on holiday to, like, meet someone and they had to fly by themselves? No. I had a friend who did that, and it sounded so frightening to me. I like think the first time I travelled internationally, like, long distance, was, like, when I was 26, and I was still shitting it. Yeah. I was like, how am it, I allowed to do this? I know, it's like... I flew to San Francisco by myself, I was like, this is weird. We're defying God! What is my mum? What is my mum? <laughs> mum wouldn't know what to say to God to calm him down. <laughs> He's furious! Uh, and then, um, so those are the two avenues in life open to her after they're getting married. That's it, too. Um, pretty much. And then also some mad facts that I found on a website where they were discussing this is another thing she'll have to acclimatise uh, to after the marriage is that she can no longer play Monopoly. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Apparently. What? The royal family has banned Monopoly. Oh, just because it's a shit game? No, um, Prince Andrew did an interview a few years ago and said 
things have got so vicious in the past when they've played Monopoly, the Queen has banned it. Fair play. I, like, it's a bad game. So she can no longer, she, can, she might no longer act, and she'll no longer play Monopoly. That's very funny. She hates wedges, she hates Monopoly, she loves... Prefers Cluedo. We haven't talked about the fact she's Simpsons only got doggies Cluedo. now. What? She's only got doggies now. The corgis are all dead. The Queen's. What doggies? Doggies are a crossbreed between. I, I think it was corgis and Dachshunds, yeah. Um, uh, what? As an attempt to make the world's longest dog? <laughs> exactly. I saw a really stocky corgi, uh, a stocky um, sausage dog over the weekend. He looked muscly. It was weird. Oh, a banger. Yeah, <laughs> it looked like, you know, he's still a, he's still a Dachshund, so <clears throat> he, he struggles to walk and that. But it looks like he'd be punching like cracks in the pavement as his he walks. Just like, shot. His there we go. Be, I know Dachshund's knees are fucked anyway. Yeah. His will be absolutely buckling. Or he's just really strong enough, so it won't matter. Yeah. I don't know. He was. He looked. Like, I was attracted to him. He looked like a bicep. <laughs> <laughs> well, on on that note, uh, we're going to have to take a break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We were introduced actually by a mutual friend. Okay. Now, we've talked about Megan's potential jobs or, you know, we'll call them lack jobs. Of, lack of calling. Duties, as you rightly called them. But you know what, uh, you know, connected with that, what's going to happen when she gets married? Well, let me tell you, in the words of CNBC, when Meghan Markle marries Prince Harry on May the 19th, she'll probably be saying, I do, to a bigger tax bill. It's interesting, this. Now, I know uh, you've come to respect us for our views on things like tax, and that's why I'm going to give you an exacting breakdown of the weird tax situation that Meghan Markle's entering into. I really don't understand tax. Neither do I. At all. Well, prepare to not understand something completely new, because the United States is one of only two countries in the world that taxes you based on citizenship, not residency. So wherever you move in the world, you still pay taxes to the US if you're a US Shut citizen. Up. It is mad. What? In addition to the country you... There's, um, there's law, there's ways of governing that because it's, um, it's no based... No wonder it's the richest country on earth Completely for years insane. Years. Um, there's ways of, you basically, you don't, you won't no. have to pay double the tax on one lot of income. But it depends on the country you're in. So, like, in the, U the UK and US have an agreement that if most of the money you've earned comes from the UK, then you pay taxes to the UK. Yeah, yeah. But the, the, in principle, the idea is still there. You still pay tax to the US, no matter where you are. Oh, well. uh, I looked this up. So um, A, can you guess the other country that does this? Iran. Eritrea. <laughs> like, Eritrea and the United States. Well, United... States are mad. You know, like the date format. Yes. You know, month then date and then year yeah. is insane to me. The and the only few, I think, the only other country apart from Canada that I could find do does this is the United States and Micronesia. Yeah. Grow up. The only reason I, that ever makes sense in my head, the only way I can make it make sense, is because you would say, say March third. Yeah, May the fourteenth. No, it goes from small to big. But I agree. It should. It should just be a cascade. Yeah. Grow up. It's a relic. Uh, this, this. Uh, I've gone off on tangent already. Three bullet points in, but the idea that you're paying based on citizenship is a relic of the Civil War and Revenue Act of 1862, which called for the taxing of U.S. citizens abroad, in part to punish men who fled the country to avoid joining the military. <laughs> it's a punishment. They've still got taxes based on punishing people. No wonder they hate taxes so much there. Guys, it's fine. Them for good. Have an NHS. It's quite it's good. Wicked. I had an operation the next day when I needed one. You've got a special bit in your leg I, I for got, free. I've got a bit of metal in my leg for life. Way. For free? For free. I'd want that. You can have one. Thanks, Just man. Go ask for one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, but yeah, the US could see, the US government could see this royal wedding 
counted as a taxable benefit to Meghan Markle. So it's, it's such a ben- like it probably won't happen is the major point to make here. But the royal wedding itself could be seen as such a boon to Meghan Markle's career and earnings mm. that the U.S. government can put taxes on it. Which uh, I looked up what costs tax on our bloody princess. <laughs> I looked up what costs could be considered taxable. The best of them was trumpeting. The, 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 pay, the payment for fanfare trumpeters could be considered a taxable benefit. Fuck. Imagine that. Like, you get trumpets at your wedding. It's like Uncle Sam says, pay up. Guess that trumpet money. Uh, there are ways around this, mostly based on proving that you've lived in a foreign country for most of one year. And you can get tax deductions for housing. But more to the point here... That excludes extravagant housing costs, and considering they're going to be living in Kensington Palace for free, um, yeah, which is also interesting. <laughs> Who are you living? Uh... They could, she could be ba- she could be taxed according to the rental value of her home, which she lives oh, in, f- which in she lives London, which she lives in for free. So they're going to go. Well, if you weren't living there for free, how much would you pay to rent Nottingham Cottage on the grounds of Kensington Palace? It's like, probably a lot in central London. It's mad. Oh, the US is weird. Um, but now we have to ask ourselves here, is this all calculated? Is Meghan a spy for the US government? Because if Meghan is paid from a well, foreign... Tr- yeah. If Megan is paid from a foreign trust, uh, the Daily Mail really led with this angle, as you might expect. If you're paid from a foreign trust, you have to disclose those earnings and any gifts you get to the U.S. government. Now, the, U- the royal family is extremely jealous, extremely jealously guards figures on how much it earns mm. and how much is paid to individual members of the royal family. Um, so this would be uh, disclosing royal wedding pay- payouts to the U.S. government, at which point it could and probably would leak. So there's all this, and there's no precedent for this because the whole Wallace Simpson thing was way too long ago for any of this to Mm. have worked in the same way. Um, So essentially, what I've written is, Trump would know what the Queen's pocket money allowance is, and that is unacceptable. Uh, The US government uh, would be fucking with love because Harry and Meghan would presumably never join their bank accounts because then uh, Harry's income would be known by Uncle Sam. Uh, So, the only way she could really get out of this is for Meghan to renounce her US citizenship, which means you have to live away for five years and apply for British citizenship first. So that's a long old time Mm. anyway, because she hasn't lived here permanently for any length of time yet, as far as I understand it. Um, You also have to pay. To to swear off being a US citizen, you have to pay $2,350. What, to leave? Yeah. To go, I don't want to be with you anymore. <laughs> it's like a divorce Settlement. payment. Um, as well as pay exit taxes on all your assets. So it's treated Land as if you... the free. You're treating... Yeah, it's insane. You treat all your assets as if you've sold them on the day you leave the US, and then you have to pay them for that. Mad. Um, but if she keeps her t- citizenship all her children would have to pay these taxes as well, because they will be Americans. They will be American citizens living on British soil. It's really not easy, is it? No. So I think, basically, either A, she's a spy, or B, this is the end of the conspiracy theory that she's going to have American children who run for president while being in line for the throne. That's the end. It's done. Uh, So it's just back to the standard old Plantagenet plan takeover from within. But that is more in keeping with Rosemary's baby. Like, yeah. or, or have you seen the Third Omen film where Sam Neill um, is running for president? No. Da- Damien Thorne. Because <laughs> the Antichrist is the son of the American ambassador to England. Of course. And he's then in a strategic position where he knows everyone in government and he runs for president. What a naughty boy that And then Damien Jesus was. kills him at, at an abbey, I think, in the Lake District. Oh, lovely. The Omen. What a strangely British series that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, just an interesting fact. <laughs> Jesus killing the Antichrist on British soil. <laughs> <laughs> How did those feel? <laughs> uh, also, interesting point. It is 25 to 1 that Harry will emigrate to the US by 2020. No. I found that out on the, no. on the web. Well, 
that segues quite nicely into what I have planned now is about one thing she'll have to do mm-hmm. or she'll probably want to do is becoming British yes both culturally and possibly legally spokesperson for the royal family said she intends to become a UK citizen and will go through the process which the process that everyone else has to do mm. which may take a number of years well yeah so she has to do the five years here first doesn't she yeah so I went through like the process specifically for an American to become a British citizen is a really protracted process and quite costly. Well, they, uh, you know, they left us. Yeah, a UK citizen uh, have to meet a minimum income threshold of £18,600 a year or have cash savings of £16,000 to bring a partner into a country. Yeah. So if you want your partner is American, you want to bring them into the country, you've got to earn at least a minimum amount. Yeah. It seems weird to put price on love. Well, yeah. Joe. I agree. You should write a song. <laughs> Family visa applications then set you back um, £1,583. <sighs> and uh, your po- non-EU partners of British citizens ha- have to take an uh, English speaking test. So you have to speak English to a decent level. Right. So unless they come from one of the list of countries where English is an official language, including the United States. Mm-hmm. So there's a loophole there. If you from become from a country... Where English is the official language, yeah. but your English ain't great, you can still get in. French-Canadian. If someone comes to the country as the fiancé of a British citizen, they must marry within six months. Okay. That's a short engagement. Generally, before someone comes into a country as the partner of a British citizen on a family visa, they must submit a range of evidence proving their relationship is real. Like this photos on that. This might include flight tickets, holiday photos, leases on shared apartments, mortgage documents. This one's weird. Records of email, text, or phone conversations. Oh. So you could just give them loads of, like, dirty text messages. What's the point in WhatsApp's end-to-end encryption if you have to just screenshot it anyway? It's like the start of space. Do you know when they have to pretend they've been a yeah, couple for ages yeah, yeah. and they're taking pictures, pictures of themselves in, fr- yeah. in front of the travel agents with the background and stuff? Have, I wonder how much they scrutinise it. That's a wicked job if you get to read through people's text messages. Is it wicked? It's a bit creepy. Lives of others. I mean, I love looking over people's shoulders it. at their I, text I, conversations I, 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 on the tube. <laughs> or, 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 or the advent of desktop WhatsApp. <laughs> It's <laughs> horrible seeing that on people's screens. You've got a lovely little view of our friend Gav's screen. <laughs> but most my of the eyesight time. isn't good to read it. <laughs> also, I think it's very brave that he has that one there. <laughs> uh, the citizen application cost is £1,282. And then the final thing you have to do is you have to sit something called Life in the UK Test. And that costs £50 per attempt. It's, it's mad that to become British and leave being a US citizen, you get. What's that? That's upwards of like ten thousand quid. Yeah, and it's you know, there's within that like being serious that you possibly have to be separated from the person you want to marry for months and years on end. That's sometimes. completely ridiculous. So the, this test, the Life in the UK test, has been sat more than two million times since its launch in two thousand and five. What you have to do is answer eighteen correct answers out of twenty four multiple choice questions. What's that like a two one? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you can say it as many times as you want. Yeah. Um, For our American listeners, a two one is like a like a B. Yeah. How do they grade? I don't know how they grade American universities. They don't do that like A, B, and C, do they? Have they got GPAs? I've never to get what, in. What, in what the fuck is a GPA? Oh, my grade point average is four forty nine. <laughs> your, your SATs. What have you got? Three hundred and what? Oh, excuse me. It's just um, say A. So I've got five <laughs> questions from this test for you to see how British you are, Joseph Scrubbles. Oh, am I doing it? Yeah. Oh. Five questions. You should be all right with this. But just some of them are very I'm strange. legit worried because my name's Scrubbles. With, the current, with the current government, they could get me. There's multiple choice. What countries does Great Britain refer to? A. Do you want the multiple it's choice? There's multiple choice. Yeah. I'm worried I'm going to get this wrong now. Answer without the multiple choice. Uh, England. Scotland, Wales, and Northern Ireland. Wrong. Oh, wait. <laughs> Wrong. What was it? Great Britain or United Kingdom? Great Britain. Oh, I didn't listen to the question. <laughs> Always read the question. They teach you this at school. Sure you're working out, Joe. <laughs> um, the right answer, the correct answer is England, Scotland, and Wales. Yeah, United Kingdom refers to yeah, Northern Ireland as well. And probably like the Channel Islands and, and all that stuff. Um, the Isle of Man does not count. That's a mm. crown dependency. And the British Isles refers to Republic of Ireland as well, because that is a geographical term. Yes. And it's a political one. 
Oh, God. I'm staying in this country. I'm absolutely going to get kicked out. These are weirder questions that are very strange. I'm going to um, really listen to these ones. Two, which is a fundamental principle of British life? <laughs> what? A, participation in community life. B, eating fish on a Friday. <laughs> C, actively supporting your local football team. D, ignoring your neighbours. <laughs> which one of one of those? Yeah, which one do you do, Joe? I do this one every day. A, participation in community Correct. life. Correct, of course it is. Because we're all having street parties and, I don't know, fates, village fates. You're, you're one for two. Okay. Bloody hell. When walking your dog in public in a public place... What? What must you ensure? I don't even have a dog. Why is this on a, the test? A, that your dog wears a special coat. B, that your dog does not come into contact with other dogs. <clears throat> C, that your dog never strays more than three metres from you at any given time. D, that your dog wears a collar showing its name and address. I'm going to say D. Correct, Joe. Good. You're, you're staying, mate. Uh, for a second, I was thinking, if it's the three metres thing, I am going to jail, because my dog <laughs> is not next to me most of the time. <laughs> your dog always has his special coat on. Um, That's increasing, though. What, what is a fundamental principle of British life? Again? I know. A, rule of law. <coughs> B, the rule of the upper classes. C, the rule of your local MP. D, the rule of the monarch. Oh. Well, rule of law, I think. Or ru- I'm going to say rule of law. It's rule of law. But it's not for the rule of the monarch. Because the rule of the monarch, don't they don't rule anymore. Yeah, so Same as the MPs don't rule. But the upper classes very much do. Well, yeah, they might as well. Some things will never change. Final, open, open to final satire, Final question. This, final question. What is a responsibility that you will have as a citizen or permanent resident in the UK? Mm. A, looking after the environment. B, visiting your local pub regularly. (coughs) C, using your car as much as possible. D, keeping an allotment. What? What was A again? Looking after the environment. A? Yeah. Of course it is, Joe. What bullshit test? I know. It's like, to be a British person, you've got got to be participating in community life and looking after the environment. Genuinely, when I did these, I thought... It could be pub. If I was, yeah. It could be going to the pub. I don't... If I was coming to... That's participating in community life. If I was coming to this country and I read that test, I'd be like, oh, fuck this place. I would be like, what a bunch Smart of Smart nerds. Yeah. <laughs> Just let me chill out. You're Surely th- the freedom is to chill out. Um, you're three for two, though, Joe. So I think that means you... Three for two? I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> you're three, three out of five. Oh, four out of five. Oh, yeah, fuck, yeah. That's a first. So I'm in. I, I thought you got the dog one wrong. I'm British. Okay, you stay in. He's also good at cats. Of course I didn't get the dog one wrong. It's the only one I actually uh, really went... It's, yeah. it's nice to have you still, Joe. Thanks. Um, right, that's it. Hopefully she passes that. I think she will. She better. <laughs> she better. I don't want her out on her ass. Uh, right, going to go on to some emails. First email is a little one from... Uh, where is this from? This is from devoted listener Sean. Oh, hello. Sean just says, because we're talking about how we're going to cover the actual wedding day itself. Yes. Um, Sean thinks, I think that a spectacular ending to the Windsor Knot would be a live stream reaction of the Royal Wedding. I think I speak to your, for your entire audience when I say there could be no better coverage of the nuptials of Harry and Meghan than live reactions from you both. As we've said previously, we were going to be in a pub. It would be... Uh, irresponsible. Irresponsible and uh, inelegant. To, to for us to do that, and if you know anything about this podcast, it's elegance the elegant. is at a premium. Very much so. We're both in uh, uh, ermine robes <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> the most elegant garment of all. Uh, we will like we'll tweet. We'll, Probably, tweet. we'll tweet a lot, and we'll, we might even like record little bits from the we day. We'll do say, like then a little microphone with us. We could do a little bits. periscope yeah. for like ten minutes or something. Maybe just afterwards when we're like. <laughs> I actually realised um, that day when we were watching the pub, we would been out the two previous nights drinking. Wicked. Yeah, but it's FA Cup, though, isn't it? Oh, it's no. going to be brilliant. Okay. Uh, this is from Tanusha. Hi. Hello. One thing that particularly intrigued me uh, was that two... Uh, we've Sorry, this has been cut down. So that, like, that sounds a bit out of the blue. Tanusha's not written it that way. One thing that particularly intrigued me was that two other listeners attended the school that I currently go to. Dame Alice Owen School, the one with the beer money. Is we, this a, just a podcast about Dame Alice Owen School now? Yeah, Is that our next that's a spin-off, project? That's a spin-off. I tell you what, <laughs> r- listenership's high. <gasps> Hello. 
as I'm head girl, head girl's listening to this. This is short. That's like a rebellious head girl. You're not allowed to listen to swears if you're head girl. I really wanted to be head boy, and I was not made head boy of my school. It was bullshit. I wasn't wasn't good enough at sport. Yes, you had no colours. They gave colours at my school. Fine, you don't say, you know, don't like intelligence, fine. Exactly. I offer a different, uh, you know, a different vibe. Uh, As I'm head girl, myself and the head boy each receive an additional £10 on top of the £6 that year 13s already receive. I didn't realise it was a salaried position. And you've not highlighted this bit, but I desperately want to say this. Which I will be spending on a Nando's. <laughs> oh yeah, I, sorry, I, I didn't mean to highlight that. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, I'd like to know your choice of ch- uh, chicken type. I want to know what spice you go for. I go hot. Uh, not not you. No, I'm I want to know what Tanusha says. I don't. I never go hot. I'm medium. I think the flavors of mediums better. Anyway, I want to know all about the Nando's, Tanusha. However, we have not received any such coin to commemorate the royal wedding as of yet. Because uh, we talked previously about someone thinking they got a... Was it a Kate and Will's coin? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And it didn't look very good in it. But I will keep you updated. Uh, this is good. On a different note, my mum and I took a trip to Oxford Street last weekend. We went for afternoon tea at the tea terrace. And I noticed... Oh, in House of Fraser. And I noticed a royal wedding special on the menu. We got sent... Um, someone else pointed this to us, I think, on Twitter. Uh, I ordered a cappuccino, which had latte art of Harry and Meghan. <laughs> It was spectacular, and I recommend you visit. I've printed out the picture on the next it bit of paper. It is quite something. I think it's very good. Like, that's absurd. It's a very good likeness. That must be through... I don't know. I was going to say that's through some kind of... Um, stencil. Stencil. But the shading on it is would imply otherwise, unless it's a, a layered stencil. Oh, that's mm. very... Or well, maybe it's got different, uh, you know, Fitnesses. gauzes. Oh. Is that what it's called? Oh, the gauze? Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, sure, why not? You should look that up, the House of Fraser Latte Very good. It's legitimately we'll impressive. Out, if we remember. Uh, Tanusha, all power to you being head girl and your Nando's Thanks, interest. That is wicked. Um, this, I, I am quite jealous. This email is from Prissa. Would you say, how would you pronounce that, Joe? Prissa? I'd say Prissa, but we apologise if we got that wrong. So, this is very good. So, a few weeks ago, I told a story about a dachshund or a sausage dog that got decapitated in the revolving doors of the publishing house in which Vanity Fair is based. Again, we've talked about this a lot for well, the Royal Wedding Podcast. we have got insider information from Prissa. What do you mean? First, the Vanity Fair dog story. At the time I was at uni and I was working in retail to pay the bills with a guy who was interning in fashion and he got a message from one of his intern friends about how she had killed a dog. <gasps> she was an intern and being told to take the dog for a walk. Wait, was it, was it Vanity Fair or Tatler? I think I thought it was Tatler, but they're saying it's Vanity Fair. Oh, okay, yeah. right, right, right. But maybe it's the same... Are they maybe part of the same publishing house? It might be the same building. Or maybe there's lots of dog deaths. She was an intern and being told to take the dog for a walk when she got was going back to the office and the dog ran away from her into the revolving doors. Oh my As it got God. decapitated, it got stuck in the doors and there just happened to be a postman walking out at the same time who got stuck for two hours in the revolving doors ah! with half a dead dog on a really sunny day. Oh, no, 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 the no. The fireman had to, like... Not in the free, same compartment. Yeah, well, well, it sounds like it. The fireman had to free him. <laughs> Word got out about the story, but because it had made Vanity Fur look really bad, they were getting interns to walk their dog. They lied and said it was a general worker there, and the girl lost her internship. Oh, come on. I'm not even sure I should be telling you that story, but that's the inside scoop. I would punch my way out of that revolving door. I would Which, smash the glass. I'm surprised it's... I know, like, the dog's got severed, but I, I'm surprised that stopped the door from rotating. I don't want to go into the mechanics of how I think that's happened. Um, When I was a kid, my grandparents had um, two... They had, like, a door to the outside and then sort of, like, an airlock. (laughs) You know, like, when you get one front door and then it's like a porch or something. Yeah. Um, And they were... The the front front door and the second door were both glass. They were, like, frosted glass. And I got locked in between the two. And I just kicked in the glass you into panic. the house. I don't even remember panicking. I, I just remember going like, this is the correct decision, and just kicked the glass in. <laughs> we were talking about this the other day. There's, um, there are a few times in your life when you kind of shed all the reason and decorum that you have as an intelligent creature, mm. as a human being. And I think 
what it happens to me is like when I get my hands stuck in something, yeah. I freak out. You go mental. I'm like two minutes away from buying it off. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah. We were saying the other day, it's like 127, 127 hours. Two minutes. Two minutes. Done. Slop it I'm off. I'm back. It's gone. <laughs> Pull your finger out, James Franco. Um, secondly, the Tonga thing. So oh, you, yeah, I know. No, but she, um, you're not picked up on that specifically, Joe. Good. I apologize. It's just kind of an interesting um, story associated with Tonga that I think maybe it's worth us looking into more for a future episode. Okay. Basically, Prince Philip went there once, and now some of the people there think he is a divine being and have created a religion around him. I've heard this before. The, pros- the prophecy is that he must return, otherwise they are doomed forever. If he comes, they get prosperity and other great things. However, as Prince Philip has aged and has now retired, the people are panicking because it looks like he won't return and by will and will be doomed forever. That's why he's asking for help. The whole thing is very strange, and only if they knew that he is not the most politically correct person, particularly when it comes to indigenous people. But yeah, um, so yeah, this is. She, I'm sorry, I don't know if Pris is um, a male or female name. Um, linked to the Wikipedia page called it's called the Prince Philip Movement. Oh my god! We should look into that. This makes perfect sense because the the Instagram comment was "Help protect my family from evil Tongan prophecies." The prophecy is that Prince Philip won't come, so he was asking Eugenie to get him over so it doesn't doom Tonga. Fuck it out! I've just also while you were speaking, then I just read the last sentence. It says, "Also, please don't butcher my name if you read this on the show. It's phonetic. There is no trick to how." So Priska. So Priska. Sorry, we did fuck it. Yeah, we should have read that. Sorry, Prisca. Oh. Right. This is from Shanna. This is an American listener. And I think with regard to the person who said, I love, love the podcast, they've said, I love, love, love the podcast, which I like. I am a school psychologist. Uh, I'm a school psychologist. You need to get yourself checked out. That was, <laughs> that's my problem, not yours. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm a school psychologist, and one of the tests we use quite frequently in the field is called the Woodcock-Johnson, or the Woodcock-Johnson 4, officially. I train students to use it in the field, and I have to tell them to be adults and stop laughing. Because <laughs> it's, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Even worse, the test's first author is Richard Woodcock. So it is the Dick Woodcock-Johnson test. Mm-hmm. Those are three words that mean penis, Joe. Yes, please. <laughs> Most of us just call it the WJ to avoid all the awkwardness. Anyway, names are weird. My name is Shanna. It's <laughs> <laughs> good, isn't it? That's brilliant. In a few... Uh, so, my question. In a few of the shows, you've mentioned that attendance slash... Nah, you've mentioned that attendance slash attention for the wedding will be reduced due to it not being held on a bank holiday, but the wedding is on a Saturday. Do you have weekends in the UK? Wouldn't a lot of people have Saturday off from work anyway? Uh, best to you both, the most honourable Dr. Baroness Carrick Fergus, a.k.a. Shanna. Uh, Shanna, we do, uh, we do traditionally have weekends off. We do. Our point here, Shanna, is that the British people... Uh, I think probably, possibly surprisingly to Americans, a lot of people just do not give a shit about the royal family. The reason so many people loved the last royal wedding is because everyone got a day off because of it. It was not scheduled to be a day off. It wasn't held on a day off. They just turned it into a day off. And British people love a day off so they can go drinking. Exactly. The pub was decidedly open. And... The point here is, it being held on a weekend, it's just like any other day. Yeah, people will be doing all this stuff. People will be like, final FA day. Cup final More day. people will be probably out watching that than the Royal Wedding. Football is our true monarch. <laughs> Good, that's, that was on the British test. You passed, Joe. Well Thank done. you. Final email this week is from David Chong. And we put a call out because we were doing like weird baby names. Yes. So it says, on the last show, you were looking for people with brilliant and or unique names. That put me in mind of someone's someone a friend's ex told me about from her school days and uh, they were living up in Derbyshire she knew someone whose parents had decided they were Vikings they okay. just decided one day we're Vikings now fair play and had naturally given themselves a new surname to match yet somehow settled on something not particularly Scandinavian sounding anyway they picked a name for their daughter straight out of ancient mythology but once again missing the target of the Norse part mm. What this meant however was that my friend's ex went to school with someone with the glorious name of Persephone Conquest. Oh! <laughs> Wait, they decided they were Vikings. So they, they chose so, the surname Conquest. And they... Persephone, yeah, which is... Something out of... Roman. Gre- yeah, oh, Roman no, Greek, Greek. yeah. Mm, well, yeah. 
Uh, I had a quick Google for her name to check before I sent this in, and it seems she definitely exists. Unsurprisingly, there's only one person with that name on the electoral roll, a P- Persephone A dot conquest. And now I really want to know what the A stands for. Maybe it's just Persephone. A conquest. A conquest. So that's from David Chong, and he says, toodles at the end. Toodles! So that's it for the emails this week. Toodles y- to you. You can contact us at show at windsornotpod.com. Follow us on Twitter at windsornotpod. And you can review us on iTunes. Ooh, by this time, uh, the picture of the Eugenie original drawing is going to be on our Twitter feed, because my friend Joe sent it to me. Ooh. It is not as he remembered it, I will say. Uh, there isn't a little person looking out the window. The idea is that... What it's actually quite sweet. The idea is that Eugenie drew a window with the sun outside it for the oh. person who sat at the desk without a window. It's oh, quite nice. It's much nicer. Um, so wow, the Id- we've got some original content on cool. that on that Twitter. Exactly. So rare. Um, so <laughs> until next week, in the words of David Chong, toodles. Bye bye.